Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews, and convention panels. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Right, Let's dive into this. First of all, hi, I'm Beth Stoldner. Um, welcome to Ghost Town Ghost Stories. Um, so why am I the one up here telling you ghost stories? Um, I write paranormal uh, cozy mysteries and uh, romantic urban fantasy. But before I started writing paranormal fiction, I was writing paranormal nonfiction. Uh, my first book is actually a collection of Georgia ghost stories. And um, I wound up being a ghost tour guide in Roswell, Georgia um, for many years. And so I, again, I just, I love that blend of history and lore. And so we just moved to Tucson about a year and a half ago. And I got here and immediately started hearing ghost stories from people. Like I wasn't even looking for them and people would just offer them up like, oh, my, my bar is haunted. Oh, my house is haunted. <laughs> and so that's why last year for this con, I did a um, Tucson ghost stories. But then this year, I wanted to do ghost towns because I've started getting to go out and visit some ghost towns, and I'm just fascinated by these places that, like, almost died but are still around for us to enjoy today. So that's why I figured it would be a fun one um, to get into. And I, as you and I were discussing, I was a little disappointed when I learned that most ghost towns still have people living in them. Like, I really just thought it would, like, literally just be an empty city, and I could just, I don't know, waltz through it like I own the place. Um... So, I, of course, I've learned that ghost towns can be anything from a couple of foundations, maybe a few blocks from where a wall used to be, to a town with hundreds of people still living in it. But, you know, I guess that makes it fun because you just never know what you're going to get. And I guess if we didn't have people living in those towns, they would not, we wouldn't have ghost stories because there would be nobody there to experience the hauntings that are going on. Um, so, any guesses from you guys as to how many ghost towns we have in Arizona? Thirty-five. A lot. Hundreds. Three hundred. Yeah, three hundred. We are not the winners, though. Texas takes the title with five hundred ghost towns. Not New Mexico. Not New Mexico. We have aliens. Way more than I. I never thought it would be in the hundreds like that. So I just, just floored that there are so many of these towns that have grown up and died and just are gone. A lot of them are just gone now. Um, But uh, so you know, obviously. Out here in Arizona, lots of former mining towns. The mines went bust or it became too expensive to keep mining, and so the people all left. Um, and certainly Route 66 uh, was a thriving place until the interstate system cropped up in the mid-1960s. So we have a lot of ghost towns um, because of all the people bypassing Route 66. Those, those little tourist havens just died out. Um, so we're actually going to start with the first ghost town I ever visited in Arizona, and that was Jerome. Um, you, guys have, you guys have all been there probably, right? So... I loved that place. I thought it was such a cool little city. Um, and what's amazing to me is that Jerome had about 10,000 people at its height. Um, and just, you know, 
obviously today there are so many fewer. And I, y'all, I'm terrible. I can't remember numbers, which is why I have notes. Like to all of the stuff about, and this year this happened, and there were this many people living there. <laughs> my brain doesn't remember numbers, so I have to refer to my notes. But anyway, um, so Jerome was actually a really lucrative area because they had copper and silver and gold. Um, but it was a really lawless town, so lots of brothels, lots of saloons, and a lot of fires. That town was burned to the ground a few times. Like, just, there were no building codes, there was no kind of fire protection, so if somebody caught their house on fire, the whole town was going to burn down. So finally, in 1899, they, they put in some building codes to prevent that from happening again. So most of the buildings there are 1899 or later. Um, but what's interesting is it was actually the mines themselves that caught fire. Uh, some gases down in the tunnels caught on fire and burned literally for years. So they wound up going to open pit mining and then eventually, of course, wound up shutting down the mining altogether. Um, so Jerome, I picked two stories from Jerome. And this first one, I picked solely because of the name of the place. And it's the Haunted Hamburger. Have, have, you get, have any of y'all eaten there? I did not. I passed it when I was there. We didn't eat there. But I think it's an interesting ghost story because it's an example of how renovating an old place can stir up paranormal activity. Uh, the, the building had been sitting vacant for about six years prior to uh, the guy that opened the restaurant you know, buying the space. And he started doing these extensive renovations to get the building ready and to get it prepped to be a restaurant. And he very quickly realized he had a pesky ghost. Uh, the ghost would... Um, turn on the water faucets to full blast, it would slam doors, and, but the thing that was the most annoying is that the ghost kept stealing hammers. So the guy would come in in the morning and his hammer would be gone, or his worker's hammers would be gone, and the owner actually lost three hammers in pretty quick succession and was getting pretty mad about it because like, he kept having to go out and buy more hammers. They were just disappearing. And then he came in one morning and he found all three hammers all sitting out in the open in very obvious spots. And it was almost like the ghost was saying, like, okay, I had my little joke, it's fine, here's your hammers. But what's interesting is that after the restaurant opened, the paranormal activity completely ceased. So even though it's called the haunted hamburger, it's not haunted anymore. And the theory is that when you're doing renovation in an old space, that change in the atmosphere, that change in the energy can stir up paranormal activity. So something that's been dormant can suddenly become active. But then once you've finished that renovation, it goes dormant again. So I'm guessing if they ever do future renovations, that pesky ghost might come back and start haunting the place again. So we'll see. I mean, if it was me, I would just renovate the place all the time. So we could, you know, <laughs> I mean, you got to earn a name like the Haunted Hamburger. Um, but the, if you want to experience a haunting in Jerome, go stay at the Jerome Grand Hotel. That is that is a good so spot. Long, <laughs> so I married, married there. <laughs> you did? No, my friend got oh married. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. Yeah, like she loved it. She was at, she had a haunted wedding. I love that. Well, so you guys are aware then that it was a hospital before it was a hotel. Um, so it opened in see again, I can't remember these things. In nineteen twenty seven, um, as a hospital. And what I think is really interesting is that they had paranormal activity there when it was still a hospital. Um, nurses would say they would hear disembodied voices and they would also hear the typical kind of sounds you would hear um, in a hospital like the sounds of people moaning and groaning the sounds of people coughing and they would go to check on this patient that was clearly in distress and there would be nobody there the room would be empty uh, but I think my favorite story from its time as a hospital uh, there was a 
apparently very friendly, helpful ghost of a doctor. Uh, he is described as having a beard and wearing a white coat like a doctor would have. And most often the scenario that would happen is that nurses would be making their rounds at night, getting people you know, kind of ready to go to sleep. And they would walk into the patient's room and the lights would already be off. And they would say, oh, well, how did you turn your lights off? Or why did you turn your lights off? And the patient would answer, oh, well, that nice doctor came in to check on me and he turned the lights off on his way out. And of course, the nurses quickly realized that this doctor everybody was seeing was not an actual physical person, but the ghost of a doctor. Um, and then eventually some of the nurses did actually get to see him with their own eyes and said, okay, yeah, he's, he's here, but he's not really here. But at least he's helping out the patients. It could have been a lot worse. Um, so the hospital, uh, they closed down uh, in the 1940s, 1950s, um, because the town was dying. You know, the mines had all closed, and so all the, the miners and their families were moving away, so there was really nobody left for the hospital to serve, so they shut down as well. And what I think is interesting is they, they just left. So all the beds were still there, all the linens were still there. I would pay money to go into an old hospital like that that was abandoned and just had everything sitting out. Um, it sat that way for 44 years before it was finally purchased and renovated and turned into the hotel that it is today. So of course today, the rooms that people are sleeping in used to be hospital rooms. So not surprisingly, they experienced some of the same paranormal activity that the nurses did, hearing those voices, hearing the moaning and groaning and things like that. Um, so if you do stay there, I can't guarantee that you're gonna have a good night's sleep. <laughs> um, but uh, there are, um, you know, probably the most well-known ghost story about the hotel is about a guy by the name of Charles Harvey. Um, Charles was a maintenance man at the hospital in the 1930s. And he was asked to go down to the basement one day to service the elevator. And a short time later, somebody else went into the basement and they discovered Charles lying so that his head was in the elevator shaft and it had been crushed by the elevator equipment. Now, it is speculated that this was not just an accident. Um, there, was, there were safety mechanisms on the elevator that should have prevented that from happening. Um, plus, just kind of unlikely that you're gonna trip and fall and your head's just so good, just happened to be under an elevator. Like it just <laughs> seems a little bit fishy. So it is speculated that Charles was killed, though certainly we don't know why. Like why would somebody wanna kill the maintenance man? I don't know. Um, but today people will say that they'll look into that elevator shaft and they'll see a bright ball of light. Um, I'm sure you guys have all seen like pictures of like supposed orbs. And a lot of times it's a bug, it's a piece of dust, you know, it's, a lot of times it's not paranormal at all. But if you've ever seen a bright ball of light, like in a haunted place, it is very different from like a kind of a fuzzy orb that you might see in a photo. It's very brilliant and bright white. Um, so people think that's Charles. They think he's still haunting that area where he died. Some people have even seen like shadowy figures out of the corner of their eye and think like, oh, that's him, that's Charles. But what I love is that the elevator itself seems to be haunted because people will hear the elevator going up and down and even hear it stopping on each floor. And yet the actual elevator itself is completely stationary. Nobody's using it, but they hear like phantom sounds of the elevator going up and down. I would not use that. <laughs> right? And it's the original Otis elevator that serviced the hospital. You know, they refurbished it. So oh, it's, wow. it's got quite the history. Yeah. Um, so our next town. Right? Ghost or not. So our next town is actually two towns. 
Um, they have the same name, and that is Goldfield, Nevada and Goldfield, Arizona. Um, Goldfield, Nevada is a pretty fascinating, fascinating place. It became a town in 1902, so really they were kind of late in the game as far as these boom towns went. Um, but it was because of gold being discovered there, and they very quickly grew to be the largest, wealthiest town in the entire state of Nevada. So it was really a happening place to be. Um, 20,000 people lived there at its height. So again, a really big town. They also had an absolutely beautiful hotel that is still there today and has been beautifully preserved. Um, pretty remarkable that this town used to have 20,000 people. 300 folks live there today. It's wow. not a lot of them, but they take good care of their hotel and it is beautiful. Um, the hotel was believed, it was said to be at the time, the most luxurious hotel between Chicago and San Francisco. Wow. They had an elevator, they had electricity, they had telephones. I mean, they had a lot of things that places out west just did not have in the early 1900s. So it was a really just a luxury to be able to stay there. Um, but of course, like everywhere else, you know, it went vacant for a while when everybody moved out. But fortunately, like I said, they've done a really good job of preserving it and restoring it. And um, both Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures, you know, the TV shows, both of them have been there um, and had, you know, a fair amount of, of experiences. Uh, it's believed that there are primarily two ghosts haunting that hotel. One is the man who built it. His name is George Wingfield. And George is, he's not up to too much. People will typically just smell cigar smoke. Um, and because George used to smoke cigars, they think it's probably him still roaming the halls, checking on his hotel. And the other, is um, a woman and she is believed to have been George's mistress. The story goes that George's mistress got pregnant. She had the baby and then George immediately had her killed. Um, so apparently she is still at the hotel, uh, probably looking for a little bit of revenge, maybe. Uh, and people will hear a woman crying. Some people have also seen the apparition of a woman who looks very, very sad roaming around the hotel. So, you know, Goldfield, Nevada, a lot of those original things are still there, very pretty, very well preserved. It's a ghost. When a cloud goes <laughs> off, it, just, it means a ghost bumps into it. Ghost is that's, that's all it is. Um, Christy. Have, have any of y'all been to Goldfield, Arizona? You haven't. Okay, did you have fun? I haven't been there yet. We just like blipped through it. Okay. We didn't get to actually enjoy it. No ghosts fun yeah. when you guys were there. All right. Um, so the town uh, of Goldfield, Arizona, unfortunately, um, there wasn't a whole lot left by the time all was said and done with this ghost town. So it's up, it's, for those of you who haven't been there, um, it's in the Superstition Mountains, so not too far from here, just east of Phoenix. And um, it was founded in 1892. They had found gold there, but within about five years, the gold was gone. So it was a real quick boom town, and then everybody left. And so the buildings were sitting there vacant. And unfortunately, in the 1940s, the military was actually doing exercises in the area, and they accidentally caught the town on fire. Um, so about 60% of the buildings burned. There were about 30 buildings there, and, and over half of them burned to the ground. And then what was left was just abandoned. I mean, this was, you know, before we really had an interest in preserving places like this. Um, I think it's sad the U.S. went through a real phase where we were just like, oh, it's old, knock it down and build something new. And ghost towns kind of fell under that category where we just didn't appreciate the history of them. Um, in fact, we're, when I used to give the tours in Roswell, Georgia, um, we went through a neighborhood that used to be a cemetery. In the 1970s, they said, you know, we could build houses here. And so, so we, oh, the stories, yeah, the stories we heard from neighbors, yeah. 
Um, happens more often than you think. But anyway, Coldfield, Arizona. So uh, much like your uncle, Uncle Dickie, who owns uncle a mine, Dickie. or owns a ghost town, somebody bought the property that this ghost town is on. And of course, when I say ghost town, literally just foundations and some ruins. But he saw an opportunity to turn it into a tourist attraction. So he rebuilt all of those buildings on the original foundations. And wouldn't you know it, wound up getting a couple of ghosts in the process. Um, it seems like these are spirits that were tied to the land itself. So even though those buildings were gone, the ghosts stuck around. Um, this was a, a place where um, uh, Ghost Adventures also went. Uh, and I, I will admit, I have a hard time taking anything they do seriously. But, <laughs> but allegedly, while they were there investigating, um, they heard uh, groaning, like a growling kind of noises in one of the buildings. They also heard footsteps. And then uh, they were using a thermal imaging camera, which is basically, it just catches temperature anomalies. Um, so like if I walked in front of one, you would see a human-shaped person walking because my temperature is higher than that of the room around me. So the belief among ghost hunters is that you can detect ghosts the same way. You may not see them with your eyes, but you'll see a temperature anomaly on the thermal imaging camera. And they caught what looked like the figure of a man walking through a building. What's more significant is that one of the people they're investigating actually saw with his own eyes a man in a duster walking down the middle of the street. Um, and of course he blinked and the guy was completely gone. It's just like he wasn't, hadn't been there at all. Um, people have also heard voices coming from the saloon and the saloon also has at least one apparition. It's a, a man who has been spotted behind the bar. So maybe some bartender who's, I don't know, still there waiting to serve up some whiskey, who knows. Um, so, you know, if you want to go there and get your Wild West on, they do all the reenactments and all that kind of stuff today. Apparently a good place to stop by. <laughs> I'm going to get there someday just for the fun of it. Um, I believe they're the place. They have what's called the Elvis Chapel. It was a, a movie set that was used in like some movie that Elvis was in. And the church is one of the few remaining buildings. And they had it relocated to Goldfield. And there's like a little Elvis shrine inside of the inside of the church now. So it's like you can go there and get like you can pan for gold and pay your respects to Elvis all in one place. It's it sounds fabulous. Oh my god! I hope that Elvis haunts them. They moved enough that of his fabulous? stuff there. It's like where his final resting place. Mm -hmm. He's not a Graceland. He's in Arizona. Booted. Duh. I mean, Tennessee in the wintertime. I mean, we have the London Bridge. Why can't we also have Elvis's ghost? I think Elvis is a ghost. I like that. What do you have in Arizona? Aliens, Elvis, <laughs> JFK might be running around somewhere. We'll just have all the conspiracy theories. But we're moving to your state next with. Look, how did you pronounce Madrid? Madrid. Madrid. I have been pronouncing it, been practicing as Madrid, New Mexico, but I've been told from a New Mexiconian. I have been there many times. Madrid. Mexican. So, Madrid is an interesting story because um, it's a coal mining town, and I'm sure you guys have heard of company stores. Um, this was a company town. Uh, the company came in and built all of the, the housing for the miners and their families to stay in. Um, I'm sure they had a company store, so you could go and spend all your hard-earned money and give it right back to the company. Um, pretty common practice back, back in the day. 
Um, but Madrid, you know, they were pretty bustling by 1899, and the coal mining boom there continued through the 1950s. So they were around for quite a long time. And then the coal mines finally closed and everybody moved out. And one by one, buildings downtown started going up for sale and emptying out. But who's going to buy a, a building in the middle of a town that is literally dying? Like, what? what's the point? Why waste your money? Well, in the 1970s, a group of artists and creatives and counterculture kind of people, you know, hippies, essentially, um, they, they found Madrid and they... We're like, yeah, this is the place we want to hang out and do our thing. And, of course, the real estate would have been very inexpensive. So that made it even more attractive to them. So they pooled their money together and they bought a large portion of those downtown buildings. And they turned them into their artist studios and their shops. That, in turn, drew in the tourists. And so Madrid started, Madrid, sorry, <laughs> kind of came back up in the world and started getting popular again. Um, but the most haunted spot, well, one of the most haunted spots is actually the old cemetery there in the town. Uh, it was used right up through the 1950s for the miners and their families when they died. And people say that even today, if you go there at night, sometimes you will see ghostly images of miners walking among the headstones. Um, another spot that's haunted is a church that has actually been converted into somebody's house. Um, which to me gives me total like Alice's Restaurant kind of vibes, like living in a church. Um, which one is it? The fourth one down the block or the fifth one? I've been there. I don't know which one. It's I the, don't know. It's just called the Madrid Madrid Church. That is, is yeah. That's I didn't find like a more specific. I couldn't tell you what denomination now it I'll, is. I don't know. Now I have to go back. <laughs> they have to go back. Um, but people do still hear the church bells ringing, uh, which is remarkable. Remarkable because the church bells were removed years ago. Um, but it's like there's an echo of them that's still there. People also reported hearing voices singing. So it's almost like there's a church choir that there's some imprint of them still in the area given little concerts for whoever lives there now. Um, I think the saddest story about, about this town um, comes from the Morgan Jones coal mine. Um, in 1932, there's an explosion. You want a coal mine? It's not good news. It's, 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 it's not good news. You were right there. <laughs> I, 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 I get chills. <laughs> um, there Come was on, an explosion in one of the tunnels, <laughs> and so it caved in. And 14 miners wound up dying, and unfortunately, not all of them were killed instantly um, in the cave-in. And people say that, that today you can actually still hear them calling for help when you walk past the entrance to that tunnel. Um, their bodies are no longer there. They were eventually dug out and buried in that old cemetery. So I have to wonder if those ghostly miners people see in the cemetery might possibly be the guys that were killed in that explosion in the mine, because that's a pretty traumatic way to go and a lot of times traumatic deaths tend to lead to hauntings because ghosts are left over kind of going like uh, I'm not no question. Yeah. so back to the church like the people that are like choiring and performing the idea as far as I know from what I've heard is like you have to have a traumatic death to become a ghost is there any story that ties like a choir having some traumatic death in that town? Not traumatic death. Um, so that's what we would call that's a residual a haunting. Okay. Um, where when there's something that, well, for one thing, a lot of places like theaters and churches are haunted, they think, because of the amount of energy that is being, you know, people are giving their all on stage and audiences are giving their all supporting the actors or the singers on stage. 
Same with churches, you know, people, preachers giving his best to his congregation and people are singing and so there, there's a lot of energy being put out into the atmosphere of the place. And so that energy can kind of linger as an echo, is the theory. Okay. Um, like, you know, the Surly Winch uh, over on 4th Avenue? Um, there is a residual haunting over at the Surly Winch where um, the one of the owners says she'll be there and she'll hear the back door open and then she'll hear footsteps. And the first time it happened, she thought it was a delivery guy and went out to meet him and there was nobody there. She said the footsteps went right past her and her best guess is it's somebody who used to come to work every day through that door and it's just a leftover imprint of him. So no trauma involved, just okay. kind just of... Just emotion? Yeah, just sort of that energy oh, okay. is sort of left over and probably will fade away into nothing over time. Madrid has a theater. Mm. Probably haunted. Yeah. Probably haunted. Like everyone in downtown Tucson is haunted. Every, every single one has a ghost story. <laughs> they a murder mystery on their stage. Oh, man. That's the awesome. murder mystery? A murder mystery. They pretended it was a play, but it was really just someone's devious play. Maybe I was, you know, remembering a time. <laughs> and theaters are kind of spooky. If you've ever been in one where there's not a lot of people, it's oh, yeah, they, I if you can kind of feel it. You can kind of feel that. I think that sort of energy, that's sort of hanging out there. It's, it's a, you know, it's like I, one of the best examples I can give of a residual haunting, but in like more, you know, not dead people terms, is if you walk into a room where people have been arguing, and you can sense that kind of like, oh, something's off here. Like there's that sort of that lingering energy. Um, and I think it's the same with sometimes with, with what we call hauntings is really more just a kind of a leftovers. My friend um, did cut his finger and bled on their stage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and what came with him? Bukarama. I, oh, I do have a theater story coming up, so you just got to sit tight. Um, but there's no bleeding involved. Um, but we're going to go over to California for this next one. We're going to Calico. Um, Calico was founded in 1881 when they found some silver it did not get nearly as big as some of the other towns. They only had about 1,100 people. Um, and then uh, pretty quickly, like most places, um, the gold had been mined, everybody moved away, and the buildings were abandoned one by one. Um, in the 1960s, it finally became a national historic landmark. And so that's when interest was really generated in preserving these places. Unfortunately, by that time, there were only a handful of places that had survived. So, kind of like they did in Goldfield, Arizona. They rebuilt the buildings, um, doing the best they could to copy the originals based on, you know, old photographs as well as, as drawings. Um, and some of those old buildings definitely came with their own set of ghosts. Um, one of them is a, a home that used to belong to a woman named Lucy Lane. Uh, it's now a museum, but they think that Lucy is still there and basically just still going about her life even though she is dead. Uh, people have seen her apparition walking from the house in the direction of what used to be Calico's general store, as if she's just running errands. Um, and then also there is a wicker rocking chair in the museum that they do know used to belong to Lucy. And people will see the rocking chair going back and forth by itself sometimes. So it's like, she's still just hanging out, doing her thing. Um, another one is uh, one of the saloons. Uh, of the three saloons that Calico had, only one of them survived. And it is haunted. People will hear um, voices, they'll hear singing coming from it, they'll hear pianos playing, and they'll think, yeah, I want to join this party, let's go. They'll try and go in and the place is locked up tight. There's absolutely nobody inside. So it's just a little 
leftover party. Um, but one of the ones, one of the new places that's haunted is the schoolhouse. Um, the schoolhouse is one of the buildings that had fallen into ruin. So the new one was built to be an exact replica of what was there originally. And people will say that they'll look over at it and they will see ghostly children playing in, in the yard in front of the school. Um, they've also sometimes seen children looking out of the windows. Um, there's a woman who has been spotted several times standing in the front door as well looking out as if she's looking for her students to maybe come up to school in the morning. And I, what I think is interesting, this goes back to ghosts being tied to the land instead of the building. We've all heard stories about ghosts like um, walking through walls or they'll say a ghost has been spotted but you can only see them from like the knees up because from the knees down he seems to be below floor level. This is something that t typically happens in places that have been um, extensively renovated and the layout of the building has been changed. So that ghost is going about their business, taking the same routes they always did. It just so happens that now there's a wall in the way. The schoolhouse is the opposite of that. Because they built it so exact to how it looked originally, those people, those ghosts are still in the right positions to be looking out the window or to be standing in the doorway. So it's kind of like business as usual for them as well, along with Lucy. Uh, so, I can't, I can't go through this night without talking about Tombstone. You guys, I love that town so much. It's so tacky. It's so tacky and I love it. Um, I think if you go there knowing what you're getting yourself into, you just have to embrace the cheesiness and just roll with it. Um, so Tombstone, Tombstone is interesting because, you know, it's obviously this super famous town, uh, and you, I mean, I was surprised when I learned that it really only lasted for about 13 years um, because they unfortunately dug too deep in the mining tunnels and hit the water tables, so everything flooded. Um, so the town uh, shrunk pretty quick. It's only got um, about a thousand people living there today. Um, it's been that way for just about a hundred years now. I mean, it's been, you know, they, they shrunk, I mean, after they flooded the mines. Not much you can do. Um, but here we get to the theater, because the Birdcage Theater is my favorite place in Tucson, uh, Tucson in Tombstone. Um, and, and part of that is because it is the most notoriously haunted place in Tombstone. Um, the theater is interesting because they closed their doors in 1889, about the time that the mines were closing down. And they thought, well, but they'll be able to come back and start mining again. So we'll just leave everything here. We'll be back in no time. Except they weren't. Uh, nobody came back until about 1934, and when they finally opened those doors again, they found everything exactly as it had been left in 1889. So the posters for the last show that was ever shown there, um, the original wallpaper, a lot of the original furnishings, and they've left it like that. If you've ever toured it, it's kind of like, yep, here's everything we found when we when we opened the doors. You can walk through it. Um, and they there is a woman, a woman in white who is seen there, which I feel like... 60% of the haunted places in the world have a woman in white. Um, that she has been spotted walking down the stairs toward the basement. Uh, she has also been spotted in the backstage area, which interestingly enough, if you've never done a tour there, they have one of the original horse-drawn hearses that serviced Tombstone back in the 1800s. And I can only imagine having a hearse that's transported probably hundreds of dead bodies in your theater, maybe... Maybe not such a great idea if you don't want to have ghosts around. I don't know. Um, people also report hearing sounds reminiscent of what you would have heard when it was still a theater and a saloon and a gambling hall 
and a brothel. Like you can just get all your vices on in this town or in this theater. Um, so people hear. They hear people talking and laughing. Uh, people will hear a clinking of glasses. Uh, they will even hear the sounds of what seems to be a poker game. Um, you know, kind of that like cards being shuffled and chips being clinked together, that sort of thing. Um, there's even been a man, an apparition spotted, who's wearing suspenders and a dark visor, and I have to wonder if it's not one of the poker table dealers, because um, that sounds kind of typical for something that they would have been wearing. Um, I did not see any ghosts when I toured the birdcage, but you know, maybe, maybe the next time. <laughs> so we're going to end this with Oatman, Arizona, and have you guys, any of you ever been there? It's, it's an interesting little town. Um, it. Today has a whopping 102 residents, according to the 2020 census. Um, and this is after it had thousands of people living there um, when it was still a gold mine. But the gold mines closed in the 1940s. And I'm going to argue that Oatman, of all the ghost towns, all these like wild west towns that remain, Oatman is the most authentic to what it was really like back then. And that is because of the wild burrows that wander that town. Uh, the miners used burrows to haul their equipment to the mines and back. And when the mine closed and they all moved out, they just left the burrows, just turned them loose and went, bye. And they have thrived in the wild, but they know the best time to get a meal is right there on Main Street of Oatman when the tourists roll into town. <laughs> um, and so you can buy burrow feed in the stores and go out and feed them. <laughs> But it smells, you guys. Ah. It smells like, you know, animal hair and burrow poop. And I think it's probably a more authentic experience for what it really would have been like in these towns in the 1800s when they would have had all these horses everywhere. They would have had their burrows with them. So if you really want, just if you want the authentic experience, just go there and take a big old sniff. Um, and I actually, when we were there, we actually saw a burrow walk right into one of the shops, and the poor shop owner was just trying, get out of here, get out of here. And the burrow was like, what are you going to do, lady? So eventually they kind of lured him out with a little bit of food. Um, but Oakman, their hotel is also a very haunted spot. Um, it was built in 1902. And rumor has it that Clark Gable and Carol Lombard had their wedding night in that hotel. I have no idea why they were in open. Um, but the, the ghost there is a guy by the name of Charlie. And uh, Charlie was an Irish immigrant who had moved out west trying to uh, make a living, and if he was very lucky, to make a fortune. But things weren't going so well for Charlie. And he was staying in room 15 of the hotel. and. As he was having trouble getting work, things were getting worse and worse for him, he started drinking more and more, spending more and more time in his room. And one day, after a particularly long binge of drinking in his room, he left the hotel, never came back. About two days later, somebody found Charlie's body out behind the hotel. Um, we don't know how he died, maybe he just drank himself to death, maybe he fell, but uh, he just wound up being buried in an unmarked pauper's grave outside of town. Uh, but Charlie, we don't know where his body is, but we do know where his ghost is. It is still hanging out in room 15. Uh, one of the things, you know, being there 100 years ago, there would have been no air conditioning in the rooms. So a lot of times when Charlie was staying there, you would have opened the windows to get some airflow coming in. So people staying in the room today will wake up in the middle of the night and find that one of the windows has opened seemingly by itself. Um, they will also sometimes catch a glimpse of somebody out of the corner of their eye when they're in that room. 
Uh, other things that happen in room 15 are the lights will turn on by themselves in the middle of the night and people will wake up to find the faucets running full blast. So if you want to stay at a haunted hotel, plenty of options around around this part of the country. Um, you guys, that was it. Thank you so much for coming. Um, any questions? Yes. So um, in your collection of ghost stories, have you found any that are Native American based? in particularly Arizona, New Mexico? I don't have any of the stories that I have, that I tell, but I have heard some. Um, and I'm trying, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think back, I've, I'm not gonna be able to come up with one of them now. My brain is too... Tired, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll probably think of it as soon as I like, I'm gonna fall asleep tonight, I'll be like, oh yeah, that story. But yes, there are plenty, um, certainly. And, and not just out west, I mean, on the east coast too, there, there are a lot of stories because of um, Native Americans being displaced. Um, plenty of stories. Yeah. Any other questions? I just wanted to apologize for asking a question early. Oh, that's fine. It's an interactive panel. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Paper, rock, I was going to say a fun tidbit about the uh, hearse and uh, tombstone is that it's gold plated. And my brother told me that the people would take tours and they would rub their fingernails uh -huh. across the and get the gold plating. And they actually had to isolate the gold hearse because it was being depleted of all the gold. Because oh all goodness. the tourists were just scraping their fingernails to get the gold on the hearse. What a horrible thing to do! Plated. Wow. So when you that's go to visit the hearse, that's why it's yeah, it's behind isolated. ropes. All these do not touch signs all over. I had no idea that was why. Because my brother, oh, my brother was kind of uh, an entrepreneur of the mines. He would go to the school, and we I, that was my high school, and my brother's was at, it was their high school, but he befriended one of the old timers and the old timers actually had a map of all the mine shafts. Wow. So what he would do was go to school and spend the day in the mines and then at the end of the end of the night would get on the buses to go home and then he got caught on that and wow. got in trouble. Wow. Did you find any gold? Did he get any gold? No, he actually lost this finger. Oh dear. If you want to hear a little fun tidbit, is that he was playing around with one of the machineries in the in the town, and something happened to where he literally knocked off this whole finger, and yeah. So that was a lesson that I, that's not I had to learn is. Don't play around the mines. Right. And yeah. Don't play around with the machinery. There's your PSA for the day, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> if you go visit these ghost towns, don't touch. One of the things that he taught me was that the, the mines were so dangerous because the, a lot of the dynamite was left behind. Oh. And the dynamite was made out of um, nitroglycerin. Uh, glycerin? Yeah. Nitroglycerin. And if a flashlight hits it, it would actually would ignite it. It condenses and collects and wow. it's unstable. Wow. So, yeah. so that's why they're, if you ever go down there and they will tell you, please do not go down in the mines because it's really temperamental. Yeah, that was my, my, my little 
That's cool. That's a pretty ghost story, but more of a <laughs> Okay, I hope story. your question doesn't involve uh, any I've, separate fingers. Nope, no separate okay. fingers. I was going to ask, what's the uh, most haunted place that you've gotten to experience? Um, the most haunted place I've gotten to experience. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I got to investigate at the lighthouse in St. Augustine down in Florida. Um, that was quite wild because um, we had a, a fair amount of strange stuff going on there. Um, other places, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I used to have, we had a number of, there used to be a house on my ghost tour we called Creepy House for good reason. <laughs> um, and it was, it was a remarkable house because of the reaction that children would have about it. I would have kids say things about what happened there before I had even told the stories because they were like tapping into something. And that's probably one of the most haunted um, places I've been to. And then I, I had a tour there one Saturday night and I got a call from the tour owner Sunday morning and she said, creepy house burned to the ground last night. Did you see anything weird? And I said, no. <laughs> it's a ghost tour. It's always creepy. Yeah, so, it's yeah. always weird. So, yeah, it's creepy as usual. Yeah. Did you have a question? Um, I was just going to share. Um, Calico, I've been there as a, a kid growing up. Um, oh, fun. My dad lived in uh, Hawthorne, Nevada. So we would do a lot of traveling. So what's Calico? And there's another ghost, um, ghost town going from Hawthorne to... Um, uh, Bishop, California. I, you know, I forget the name of that highway, but there's a bus coming back there. Nobody goes there. At least when I was growing up. Is it, um, it's not that my time. It's like 10 miles. Is, is it the place yeah. yeah. But it, it was probably the largest ghost town I've ever seen was that one between Hawthorne and Bishop, wherever that is on that I'm just so fascinated by them. That's not Bodie, right? Bodie, that's what I'm thinking Bodie. of. Bodie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Those, Bodie. the photograph, I would love to, to see that place someday. It's just like the photographs oh, are just great. so eerie. To buy photographs that were taken there, I've got one hanging in my living room, so I can see oh, that. Nice. Uh, it's a picture from inside of a building taken of a church and there's a cat oh. with a broken window and he's sitting looking out the window looking at oh, the wow. church. And it's like, okay. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. So yeah. I have a tidbit about Madrid. And, and you, you might already know this. Um, the bar, one of the newest bars there was, Shaft Tavern. was built to um, film the movie Wild Hawks. Oh, yeah, oh there's a, a motorcycle. So, so there's a building built there. That's cool. Two of us came out of the Denver area, and um, we did a camp trip to the Blue Festival. And part of the thing was my buddy Steve wanted to ride his Harley, and of course my Harley. We put my daughter back in behind, and we rode into nice. um, the town and went to the bar, and I well, maybe maybe we need haunted movie sets next year when we have our spirits and spirits <laughs> ghost stories evening. Yeah, you guys, thank you so much. Oh, also, I have postcards and bookmarks over there for some of my books if you wanted to grab any. Um, and yeah, you guys have a good night. Thank you so thank much you for coming out. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. 
If you enjoyed our show, please check out D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Ragnarok and roll a Scion Hero to Ragnarok Story. Also, check out our Patreon page for more content and behind-the-scenes things, as well as joining us for a one-shot game or two. Like in the middle of a story that was not that scary, and and everybody started screaming, and I was like, I said, well, it's, it's not that scary, y'all. Like this is not that scary." There was this giant lizard that had been like in the fire pit, and he made a beeline, like trying to get away from the group, and so all the ladies are like lifting their skirts. Like, I mean, it was I could not have planned it if I tried. I mean, it was just it was outstanding. You know that means a lizard is gonna climb. Up. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, look, so look, just. If there's any lizards tonight, in this room, I will be the first one off the floor. You Can you see me okay? If I'm, yeah, I can see your face perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. This gentleman here, he might, he might be. I'll, have, I'll just have to sit like this and tell ghost stories this way. <laughs> um, yeah, we're still a couple minutes away. I got here early. One minute. <laughs> I usually, in case there's any stragglers, you know. And I'm going to warn you guys that my story, first of all, this is not going to take a full hour. Nobody wants to hear me talk for 60 minutes. Yes, we do. Um, but, <laughs> but also, uh, my ghost stories are usually just thinly veiled history lessons, so Ooh. get ready. There may be a pop quiz at the end of the night. Uh-huh. That's, That's kind of a fable, you know. <laughs> ghost stories are I like learning stuff and things. Are you a history teacher in your mundane world? No, but I love history. And when I, I went on my first ghost tour when I was like 14 or 15 years old, and I just, I loved the way it blended history and lore together because it made, it was just a fun way to learn history. And so I just kind of like stuck with that, that I just, I enjoy that blending of the two. Uh-huh. I think it's nice to set the scene and then tell a spooky tale, so. I, I've done a bunch of ghost tours in different places. They're always fun. Did you ever do one in Roswell, Georgia? No, um, I've done one Something in Key West, Florida. Oh, the Key West one is good. In New Orleans. Um, New Orleans has a lot of them, so I don't know which one you've done. There's a lot of different ones in New Orleans, but the one I did in New Orleans was fun. I did one in Seattle. Man, yeah, they do it down under. Well, yeah, they take you through part of it, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, where did I do? There was oh, one more that was pretty good. Yeah, oh, see, I'm a very well preserved. So it's a great place. I'll have to. I know Tucson has one, and I haven't done it yet. So I need to. I need to do that like before it gets too hot. Never to go out. So it's in the shadows. So like, you know, obviously there was another place too that I did one, but I can't remember. I wonder, like, I creeped up and, like, looked in the window and then, you know, Key West, though, there's that story about that doll. This doll named Robert, and, like, it's, like, they said, like, the doll would move by itself and stuff, and I... I don't like creepy I am not dolls. a fan of haunted dolls. Yeah. <laughs> there are no haunted dolls. Like those right. movies with the puppets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no way. Like <laughs> well, you guys, 
We'll go ahead and get started. If, the chair. If, oh my God. if you guys are okay with me sitting, I can stand up. Then I feel like I'm. It is eleven o'clock at night. Sit down. It is eleven o'clock at night. It was seven o'clock this morning. It's been like go 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 all day. Yeah, you're allowed to sit. I just we were discussing before y'all came in that I think next year if they give me this panel so late again, we're gonna call it Spirits and Spirits, and everybody can show up with their cocktail. And the stories are just going to get crazier as, as the time goes on. Is this a dry room? I don't think those existed this, this year. <laughs> <laughs> but that way people have the forewarning to show up with cocktail. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And maybe one for them. Next, I'm telling you, next year. That's how we're, that's how we're doing it. So, is it um, okay? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> like that you came prepared. <laughs> well, you said it was a spirits with spirits, so I'm yeah. just going to throw it out there. Yeah. Yeah. One side for actually better share. <laughs> um... And I've, I have okay. done drinking ghost tours before, and truly, by the end of the night, like, you're seeing ghosts everywhere. Um, <laughs> if you ever get to Savannah, Georgia, I highly recommend Savannah the drinking Georgia. tours. <laughs> hey, y'all, come on in. <laughs> Are you here for Everyone's ghost, uh, ghost stories? By the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Those are just spots, too. I love... That's a soul. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you from? She's just a film question. I'm thoroughly amused that they're just passing this tiny bubble back and forth here.